turn in God's word again to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3 as we consider what God's word teaches us regarding the government of the church. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Let us hear God's breathed out word to us this evening. This saying is trustworthy if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle. Not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, he must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves, and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Thus far the reading of God's word this evening. Let's again bow in prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, it is good for us to come into your house to worship you, to come before you, to glorify, to honor you. It is with great joy that we are able to do that. Lord, we pray that you will open our hearts, that you will allow your words spoken tonight by your servant to enter, to sink in, to cut away any evil that might be there, and to give us strength to continue on for the night, for the rest of this week. We pray that you will give Pastor Bob the strength, the wisdom, the peace and calm of mind to be able to present those words to us. May he always serve you. We ask these things in Christ's holy name. Amen. Amen. It matters. We may not think it does. We may think, well, 
you know, what does this whole business about the government of the church really matter? Is it something that important? Is that something that necessary? Does it really deserve a, a sermon even? Is that really preaching the word of God? And I would maintain to you that it matters for at least two reasons. One, it matters because we are called to be obedient to Christ in all things. Jesus said in John chapter 14 verse 15, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And seeing we believe that the entirety of God's word is indeed the word of Christ, then whatever we are told about church government, within this word, we need to seek to be obedient to. It's not like Christ is saying, well, look, you know, this whole matter of church government is sort of secondary. I don't really care if you obey what I teach you in my word regarding that. I'm more concerned about whether you get the point about serving. Or whether you get the point about creation. You know, you can give or take the church government stuff, I really don't care. No, his words in John 14, 15 are, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Christ has much to say to his church about its government. And we ought to heed the word of Christ. We ought to listen to Christ. And we ought to seek to follow that which Christ has commanded in his word as best, as clearly as we can. We certainly shouldn't be dismissive of it. We shouldn't certainly pass it away and say, well, you know, that really doesn't matter. There is another passage for us to consider along that lines. When we go to 2 Corinthians Chapter 10, Paul writes these words in the fifth verse. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Every thought. Every church has to have some thought, some idea. How are we going to govern ourselves? How is the church going to be run? Paul says, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, that that thought, how should our church be set up, how should our church be organized, needs to be submissive to Christ. That's not something we can do independent, apart from Christ. This is a thought too. That needs to come under the lordship of the one who is the son of God. The one who is the son of man. My guess is there might have even been a few folks here this morning. Who looked at the sermon for tonight and thought. Ah, another Belgic confession on the government of the church. That doesn't have much to do with my life. And that's sad. If that thought crossed anyone's mind, if somebody is not here tonight because they thought, oh, that this is unimportant, then what they're saying is, this page out of Scripture is unimportant. This page that Christ gave us is unimportant. 
You see, then we become our own judge and jury over that which Christ tells us is important. It matters how a church is governed, how a church is set up, matters. It surprises me how quickly many in the Reformed faith are quick to set that aside and say, oh, that's not important. Rather than realizing, one, the great cost of the words that we read in our statement of faith. Two, the lack of truly caring about all that Christ has commanded. We seem to think that as long as somebody preaches Christ, it doesn't matter from where they come. Now remember in that situation that Jesus was dealing with with his disciples, we are before Pentecost. We are before the word has come out. The disciples are all upset because somebody else is preaching Christ and Jesus says, he was not against us, is for us. If, if the guy's preaching me, I'm fine with that. But now we're given further instruction. Christ now continues his revelation. This is what it truly means to preach Christ. This is what we must then look at and examine this evening. What is the biblical model that is given to us in God's word, that is given to us from Christ, as to how our church is to be governed. Another sub-point. At the same time I say that, I must also say to you that we in the Reformed faith, or at least in the Reformed faith in the past, have perhaps majored in too many minors. And we have thought that this was the whole of Christianity and not just part. And because of that, there are those denominations within the Reformed faith that do not have good reputations with outsiders. Because this government of the church was so overemphasized so dwelt upon that it became, as it were, its badge rather than really realizing, look, this is only part of the Christian faith. This is only part of the church's responsibility. There are other responsibilities as well. But those other responsibilities do not mean that we have to give away the truth of Christ. So let's look secondly at some various models and let's begin with the biblical model. As we examine God's word, what are we told? We are told that we should first of all do everything decently and in good order. That nothing is to be random. But there we are to develop an orderly way of conducting ourselves. 
So the biblical model places before us the following. One, Christ is to be the only head of the church. There are no other heads of the church other than Christ. Secondly, in the biblical model, there are to be elders. Paul was emphatic in saying that in every city, wherever a church was established, elders are to be appointed. Paul speaks the same thing or similar to it in Titus chapter 1 verse 5. And this is what he's telling Timothy, right? Timothy, I'm giving you this instruction. I'm giving you chapter 3 so that you know how people are to conduct themselves in the church. Well, what's the subject of chapter 3? As you conduct yourself in the church, you are to have elders and you are to have deacons. This is the biblical model. I may surprise you, not everybody gets that. You can go to churches within five miles of here and there will not be elders. There will not be deacons. That is not the way their church is set up. Yet God's word is clear to us. This is how the church and this is how you are to act within the church. You are to have elders, you are to have deacons. Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 5, 17, that couple of chapters from where we are, just turn to that a minute, reminds us, okay, notice chapter 5 is instructions for the church, 5.17, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who have the labor in preaching and teaching. So what is a minister? What is the preacher? What is the pastor? But an elder who has the specific calling to labor in preaching and teaching. So what is, what is set up? Christ is the head, then you have elders. Elders who rule. You have elders who preach, and you have elders who rule. That's the biblical model. All elders, preaching, ruling elders. Then... As Paul writes in chapter 3, we also have deacons. Deacons who from Acts chapter 6, we learn, were instituted within the body of Christ as a means of helping, as a means of assisting, particularly in the means of comfort. Paul spends at least as much time dealing with the qualifications for those men who are to be deacons as much as he spends on the qualifications for those who are to be elders. Why? Why isn't there just one line for deacons? Because Paul is pointing out to us the necessity of having godly men as much as you have godly men as elders of the church, you need to have godly men as deacons of the church. He is emphasizing the fact that it is a difference in function, not 
a difference in dignity. It's a difference in the work that each does, not the difference in call. It is a difference in the role, in the purpose that they play in the church. It is not a difference in terms of the qualifications of these men. In the church, end of chapter 3, in order, Timothy, that you might know, because if I don't get there, I won't have the opportunity to tell you this, so I'm telling you this in the letter. Timothy, this is the way the church is to be set up. And we can then go to Acts chapter 14 and say, Paul says that in every church of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is the way it is to be. There is our biblical motto. This is what is called Presbyterian church government. The rule by presbyters, elders. This is what a reformed denomination looks like. But there are other models, you see. Another model of how you arrange church government ignores this, sets it aside, and says, well, you see, we have another source of authority. This is not the final say on church government. And of course, Debray in these articles, and of course, in this model of church government, okay, which we refer to as hierarchical, you have a man, an individual, who supposedly receives revelations from God, and he has received a revelation from God that supposedly sets this aside and says, this isn't the way you need to do it. The way you need to structure church government is as follows. You need a priest over a local parish. You need a bishop over a group of churches, a diocese. You need an archbishop over that group of churches. You need cardinals over the archbishops. But then you need one final source of authority that we shall call the pope. And all authority rests ultimately in him. Elders? Deacons? Ministers of the word? Elders who preach? No. None of that. We set that all aside. It, we are, it, it's not, you see, that everybody gets this. It's not that every church is following that which Paul is instructing us here in Acts, in Timothy, in Titus, as to how a church is to be structured. Some ignore it, such as the Roman Catholic Church, such as the Episcopal Church, some Lutheran churches, African-American Pentecostal churches operate under this. Many Methodist churches fall under this as well. Did you notice how Debray was so careful to say that the only bishop of the church is Christ? And the sword and the flame come a little closer. 
because he's just said, the alternative church government that I look at in this world is wrong. It's not just another option. It is wrong because it doesn't follow the truth of God's word. So there's one model. Then, of course, you have the invention of what is called the congregational model, which is basically a way of saying democracy. It's the people rule. It's the people govern. It's the people make the decision. There is, well, who ordains ministers? Just the church. Church just decides it. Yeah, we'll ordain this guy. We, th we think he's good enough to preach, so we'll give him the job. It's not a body of elders that make that decision. It's just the church. Who decides on discipline? The church. There's going to be a meeting, it would say. Church is going to have a church meeting Tuesday night. Everyone is called to be there. What's on the agenda? We'll tell you that when you get there. And when you get there, you find out there are charges against Mr. So-and-so. This is the case that we have against Mr. So-and-so. How do you as the congregation vote? Discipline or not discipline? Excommunicate, not excommunicate. You don't have elders and deacons to make those decisions. You as the body make that decision. Is that how Paul addressed things in chapter 3 of 1 Timothy? Timothy, this is how the church ought to behave. Have congregational meetings to vote on discipline matters. This is the structure. The authority all lies with the congregation. No, it doesn't. That's largely an American republic thought model. But it is not church government. This is not the way decisions are made. Who rules the church? The elders who rule the church. It doesn't say shared rule with the congregation. It says the elders. This is the form. It matters. How a church is set up. Either we are fully obedient to Christ in these matters, or we are not obedient to Christ. But then, of course, there's a fourth. None. Well, none at least on the books. But you see, it all comes down to an individual. This is the way that cults function, right? They tell you they're throwing off authority. They're telling you they want nothing to do with the structured church and church government. But when it comes down to making decisions, who makes the decisions? The cult's leader. Hence, the Mormons have what? Elders and deacons? No, they have a president who gets to make the decisions. Who is Jim Jones? Jim Jones is a cult leader who gets to make the decisions. Everybody drink the Kool-Aid and die. That's what I tell you to do. 
That's the way it is. This is the way cults are based. They are based upon the premise there is no government, but in reality, they are the government. What's interesting is that on the side of hierarchy and the side of none, you are basically at the same point. The Pope of Rome is the head of the greatest cult there is. It is a worldwide cult of millions and millions of members who follow his exact teaching. Even to the point of setting aside the word of Christ. So if the Pope's Pope says, eh, homosexuality is okay. It's okay. If the Pope says, there may be aliens on other planets, that's okay. If the Pope says evolution is a possibility, that's okay. If the Pope decides to look the other way, the priests are misusing children, eh, that's what the Pope can do. Because you set aside Christ as the head of the church. It matters. It matters. It matters as well. Because the men who are the rulers of the church, the elders, are given one specific, specific task. Their job. Their chief responsibility is to guard what is proclaimed from this pulpit. That is their responsibility. Does it matter? Sure. Because there are no elders guarding what a priest says at St. Mary's Parish. There are no elders guarding that which is spoken in a congregational type atmosphere. There are no elders guarding that which the cult leader says. But in the biblical model, you see, God says, I want these elders to guard my word. It matters. Because there is a safeguard of protection on the truth of God's word. Thirdly, it matters for each of you as members. The Bray went into detail about what the responsibility is. He talks in that one line, moreover, in order that this holy ordinance of God may not be violated or slighted. We say that everyone ought to esteem the ministers of God's word and the elders of the church very highly for their work's sake. And be at peace with them without murmuring, strife, or contention as much as possible. You see, God's word has something to say not just about the structure. 
God's word has something to say about our attitude as well. What is our attitude about those who are the elders and the deacons of the church? How do we think of them? And let me lay before you three biblical requirements. First of all, from 1 Timothy chapter 5, again, 17 and 18. Hear them again. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor. What are elders to be given? Double honor. Now what does that mean? It means we are to honor those men not only as the men who are called to this office, but we are to honor the office. We are to understand the dignity of the office itself as well as the men who hold that office. That's a biblical requirement. It's just as much a biblical requirement as thou shalt not commit adultery. It's just as much a biblical requirement as go ye therefore into all the world. Honor. Honor. Give them double honor. This is how we are to understand our call. But I also want you to go to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them. They might think, well, that's government leaders, right? No, because the next phrase qualifies it. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. This is the work of an elder as well, not only to guard the pulpit, but it's to watch over your soul. And as they watch over your soul, you are to be obedient to them. You are to submit to them. Obey your leaders. Submit. Let them do this with joy and not groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. It is a horrible thing, my friends, if at the end of a man's three years, he just says, man, the people in my district, it is so much work. There is so much there. And, and this, I just find no joy in this work. Do you realize how disobedient that is? Of the people of the congregation? That it's so wearisome, so difficult. Imagine the struggle of a shepherd. A shepherd wants to make sure all his sheep are properly fed. He makes sure that the feed is the best nutritional food 
that there is to offer. The best grass that there is in the pasture. And he calls his sheep, come, come. And the sheep refuse to come. They refuse to listen. Instead, they continue wandering in the opposite direction, finding some thorn bushes or some poisonous plants, maybe that which they would rather eat and consume. Imagine the struggle of that shepherd. Oh, some of you know it, don't you? You face it every mealtime. Come on, honey, I, I, I made this food. It's good food. No! Come on, it's, it's really good. I took a lot of time to prepare it. This, this is good stuff. Throws the bowl on the floor. How do you feel about parenthood at about that time? You're probably looking at your husband or your wife going, and we did this. Why? There's not much joy that day, is there? Or the next. Or the next. Or the next. How much joy do you think there is, my friends, when an elder has to look out over his district and see how poorly fed they are, not because the food is not nutritious, but because of the unwillingness of the sheep to come. Now I say this to you because you're here, but I say this to you because you need to understand that requires discipline. It requires discipline to go to somebody and to say to them, you're not eating the way you should. You need to come when you're called. See, now when that happens, you know what happens? You know what the elders of the church are doing? The elders of the church are getting on my case because I'm not going to church. And what is to be our response? Yeah, I can't believe that the elders would do that. No. God's word says that you are to obey your elders. God's word says that you are to honor your elders. God's word says that you're to be submissive to your elders. We are not congregationalists where we all get to do what we want to do. And we're all these Americans who get to make our own decisions. No. We are in the church of Jesus Christ. And God in his mercy and grace has given to you shepherds. Shepherds for your souls. My friends, pray for those men. Pray. Pray that you'd be a faithful sheep. Pray that you'd be an obedient sheep to the word of God. Pray that those men might find joy in the work and calling that God has placed upon their lives. Pray. 
that God would continue to raise up for us men to serve as elders and deacons of this congregation. As those who watch over and care for your very eternal soul. It does matter. To follow Christ in the lowlands of Belgium in regards to church government meant death. It does matter. Father, we do thank you again for your word. Even this section, even these parts that, Father, sometimes we, we may tend to think are dull and dry and unimportant and secondary, and yet this too is your word. May we, Father, draw upon that word. May we soak this word in. For we know that this word too is a breathed out word from you. And in your word is life. So we thank you. We thank you for the pleasant place that you have placed us. We thank you for placing us and calling us into a church of a Presbyterian biblical form of church government. That there are men watching over our eternal soul. That there are men called to be deacons who watch over and care for our physical and eternal being. Thank you. Thank you for being so gracious in this matter as well. In Christ's name and for Christ's glory we pray and God's people say.